Men love women, but even more than that, men love cars. Welcome to Solving the Financial Puzzle, where we seek to unravel the mysteries of personal finance. Join us as we help you put together the pieces of your own financial puzzle. This is Solving the Financial Puzzle with certified financial planner, Dan Capril. Hello, this is Dan Capril, and welcome to another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast, where each and every week we attempt to take that, which many people think is complicated, and show you that the world of personal finance really isn't all that complicated. It's actually quite simple, as long as you stay true to a few principles. And one of them is that the future is not predictable. Number two, that the IRS laws should be obeyed. And number three, Milton Friedman had it right when he said there is no such thing as a free lunch. So if something seems to be too good to be true, it probably is, which is really what today's discussion is going to be all about. So that opening quote was from the movie Rush, which was about uh, two Formula One race car drivers in the 1970s. And Americans do have an interesting relationship with cars. You know that. I have never met a Michigander who couldn't tell me in intricate detail all about cars. Blows my mind. I grew up in a family that primarily came, used public transportation. My parents, no one had a car in their family. No one even knew how to drive. Uh, they lived in New York, New York City. And uh, it's not unusual in New York City not to have a car. That was even more so, you know, back in the 60s and early 70s. My mother didn't learn to drive until she was 30 years old. My dad, I don't know when he actually learned. He was younger than that when he learned how to do it. But we had one car for uh, many, many years. It wasn't until we moved out to the suburbs where two cars seemed to be a necessity. Me, I like cars, but I've never been obsessed by them. For many, many years, I drove rather simple, basic cars. Admittedly, the last couple of years, I've, I've spruced it up a little bit, as my means could allow. But I've always concluded at the end that most of the more expensive cars really aren't all that better than, than the less expensive ones. The car I've owned the most is a Honda Accord, which I still maintain is as good as any car that's out there. I'm not driving one at the moment, but I probably will return to it in the next few years. But what I want to talk about with cars, there's a number of things about them. They are expensive, and there tends to be decisions that are made, people make about cars that, that can hurt them financially. So I want to kind of go into that. I want to go into what the pros and cons are. Now, the first question I often get is, should I buy a brand new car or should I buy a used car? All right, well, if it's a dollars and cents issue, if that's what is driving your, your thought process here, well, then clearly buying a used car is a better way to go because you're not going to have to pay for all the early depreciation that happens. The car depreciates dramatically in the first year, and so you're able to buy it without having to pay for that cost. Having said that, as one who has owned primarily new cars, in fact, I think only new cars in my life, which kind of goes against that, brand new cars are nice. They smell nice, they handle nice, they're clean. And if you're willing to drive it into the ground, you'll probably come out ahead, you know, well, you may not come as far ahead, but you know, you are gonna pick up an extra year or two. So I, I think if it's an issue of, do I buy one that's a year or two old versus buying one new and running it into the ground, the numbers are pretty close on that. Where, where people tend to get hurt is they, they buy a brand new one and then they keep turning it over because it's paid off finally 
and they figure, well, you know, I'll just get a new one. I'll trade this one in. My payments will stay the same. Well, they'll stay the same, but you're not getting the benefit of owning the car. The benefit of owning the car is to own it for many, many years and not have any payments if you had to go the payment route. So be aware of that. I mean, look, your car ownership is never going to make you rich. But if you can pay off a car in three, four years and then drive it for another three, four years and take that payment and put that into your portfolio, fund your Roth IRA, whatever the case might be, well, that's how you build your net worth. Cars are not investments. They're depreciating assets. Now, those points are pretty common. Most people, I think, are aware of those. The biggest issue I hear a lot has to do with, with leasing versus buying. Should I lease a car or should I buy a car? Now, full disclosure, I have done both. I have leased a car for the wrong reasons and I have leased a car for the right reasons. And I have bought a car for the right reasons. And I think buying it makes sense most of the time. At this moment in time, I, have, I own a car and I am leasing a car. Let's talk about the advantages of ownership. Well, the advantages of ownership are, as I said before, at some point in time, you are going to have that car owned outright and your cost is going to be very, very low. As long as I lease the car, I'm always going to have a payment. Leasing can get expensive. The biggest thing that you need to understand is that you are buying the car for a certain amount of depreciation. So let's say, for example, you're looking at a car that costs $50,000. And they're willing to lease it to you over, say, four years with a residual value of, say, $25,000. So in other words, you're basically going to pay them twenty-five grand over that four or five-year period of time. Now, in reality, the car is probably going to be worth more than, than $25,000. they are going to charge you more than what the true depreciation amount is. So your payments are going to be higher than if you had bought it. Of course, you don't have to show up with any money down. And since you're only buying half the car, well, then your, your payments are going to be lower. Here's where it really, though, can get expensive. So not only are you probably paying more for it than it's going to be truly worth, but they're also going to hit you hard if you exceed the miles limitation. So if, if you sign a lease agreement and it says you've got it for four years or three years, 36,000 miles, that means if you turn it in with more than 36,000 on the odometer, you're going to have to fork up some cash as much as 25 cents for every mile you go over. Think about that. That can get expensive. 1,000 miles over, it's $250. 10,000 miles, it's $2,500. So you better know your driving habits. You better have a clear understanding about what those habits are so that you don't go over. I find when, when people lease a car successfully, they usually have more than one car. So when they're looking to take a longer trip, they take the other car. They don't take the leased car. You're probably never going to come out ahead financially when you lease. In fact, not probably. You won't. But that's not why you lease. You lease simply because you probably like having a new car every few years. You can afford the extra cost involved, and you like the convenience of it. That's fine. If you can afford to do that, I don't have any problem with that. Now, in today's edition on the website, I've enclosed a clip and an article from Dave Ramsey, which is going to be a lot more vehemently against the idea of leasing. All right, Dave hates leasing. In fact, he calls it fleecing because he does make the point that you are going to pay more than you have to, that it's not the most economical way. 
Now I go into my lease situation with my eyes completely wide open. I totally get it, totally understand it, and I can afford it. It didn't bother me. The car that I'm driving now is valued more than I would ever want to pay for a car. Just didn't want to pay for it. But I wanted to drive it for a little while, so I went with the lease option. Now, when that's done, I will have gotten that particular car out of my system, and I will probably then go buy my next Honda Accord, and I will drive it into the ground like I've done every single one of them before. Usually about 150, 175,000, or until the interior goes. If the interior goes, I just, I don't want to, have to deal with that. But I could probably do a better job of taking care of the interior as well. But for those of you who buy a car, you pay it off, and then you feel that that's the time to go buy a new one, no, don't do that. Take advantage of having a paid off car for several years. Take that payment, and instead of putting it in another car, give it to yourself. Build your portfolio with it. And if you are thinking about leasing, let's ask why. Could you afford to buy a car outright and not have the limitations apply to you that leasing has? Because they're real and they can be very, very expensive. Now, if you have the means, fine. There are some tax advantages to leasing too if you have a small business. But we need to evaluate this carefully. You know, when you see these ads and it looks like, oh, it's so easy and so cheap to get this car, it's not as easy and as cheap as you think. And uh, the download link that I've provided on today's website, go to dancapril.com, click on today's edition, and you'll get that download there. You can read Dave's article, and it's about a six-minute rant that he does on the issue of leasing. All right, so I like cars. I'm not in love with cars. I'll probably always have a car, although I rarely, I don't drive one as much now because I do live in the city, so just about everything I need is within three, four blocks, so I walk. But um, they're useful, but they can hurt you financially. And you have to be a little careful in how you go. Now, again, if you should ever, ever have any questions on that, you want to reach out to me or at code 513-563-7526 is my number. Or if you want to just schedule a time to call me, go to www.talktodc.com, my initials, talktodc.com. You can schedule a time and be more than happy to sit down or at least talk to you on the phone, see how we might be able to help you, whether it be about cars or any other issues that you might have regarding matters of personal finance. So in today's puzzle solver assignment, and this is where I give you homework. To me, it's not enough for me to just talk to you. I want you to actually take what we teach on this show and apply it. So here's the first thing I want you to do. If you own a car, I want you to first get a feel for what your car is worth. Now there's a number of sites online where you can do that. There's Kelly Blue Book, there's Edmonds, Let's get a feel for what your car is truly worth. Secondly, if you owe money on it, I want you to know what that difference is. Now, if you owe more than the car is worth, then you are underwater. Please do not ever try to sell a car for which you are underwater. You are going to get reamed. Don't do it. Pay the car off, drive it more, and then if you want, you can trade it in whatever residual value you have left. But don't get into this bad habit of taking the outstanding debt of one car and just rolling it into the next one. If you're gonna sell your car, you wanna be free and clear. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to get a clear understanding as to how many miles you put on your car each and every year. Knowing that number can really help you when it comes to your car purchase decisions going forward. Third, I want you to think about when your next car purchase is likely to be. 
think about it in terms of the mileage of your current car. I usually say when you get to be around 150 to 200,000, that's when you should be giving it some thought. And what you want to do is start planning for that now. As soon as your car is paid off, don't go buy a new one. Take the money that you were paying on your payments and start saving that money. Set it aside each and every month. What I'd love for you to do is to get to a point where you can just start paying cash for all of your cars. So if I buy a new car, let's say hypothetically, let's say I buy a car that's a year old, two years old, and I'm willing to drive it for the next eight years, but I'm gonna pay it off in four. So for four years, I'm gonna be sending in the payments, and then after that, I'm gonna take the same amount of money that I was sending for payments, and I'm just gonna be putting it in my bank account. At the end of the four years, guess what? I'm gonna have the same amount of money that I started with. Now, I may not be able to buy a new car completely, but I will get there a lot closer. These exercises are all about planning. These exercises are all about knowing what your options are and thinking ahead. Don't do it sporadically. So know what your car is worth and know how much you owe and what is the difference between them. Again, if you owe more than it's worth, I don't even want you thinking about ever buying a new car. Now until this one gets paid off. Secondly, get a feel for what your mileage habits are. Your mileage habits will affect your options. If you don't drive a lot of miles, but you still need a car, you know what? Leasing may actually work out for you. Again, contrary to what Dave's going to tell you, if someone is, is driving under 10,000 miles a year, I don't necessarily have a problem with that because what it worries me sometimes is that if you have a car too long, even though you may not put a lot of mileage on it, it can still start to decay. But you might be able to afford the more luxurious option of flipping a car over every two or three years. It's not perfect from a strategic option, but at least you've thought it through. All right. But knowing your driving habits is going to be very important. Lastly, start planning your next car purchase. Even if it's five, six years in advance, let's start setting aside the money now so that this does not become an obstacle going forward. So I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's edition of Solving the Financial Podcast. It's a pleasure being with you as always. Again, should you ever want to reach out to me directly, area code 513-563-PLAN is my number. That's 513-563-7526. Or you can schedule time to talk with me. Just go to www.talktodc.com. That's www.talktodc.com. Take care. Talk next week. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.